My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. We're going to talk about children and smartphones today, so fair warning. You may feel old. I know that I will. Back in the before times, when I was a student, classrooms had a rule. If you brought out something that wasn't allowed in class, the teacher took it from you. Baseball cards, a Game Boy, whatever it was, it went into a desk drawer, and eventually, if you behaved, you got it back. You would imagine that with everything we've recently learned about the impact of smartphones on kids, from attention span issues to cyberbullying to self-esteem and more, smartphones that can access social media, the web, and can text friends and tease enemies in silence would fall right into that banned-in-class category. And in some classrooms, they do, but even in those ones, teachers are finding the bans almost impossible to enforce. They're reporting an epidemic of phone use in their classrooms, students who refuse to put them away, who threaten parental involvement or worse when they're taken away. And those teachers are sounding the alarm. We honestly have no idea what we're actually doing to this first generation of children to grow up with smartphones in hand, even during learning hours. We have some early data and it's not promising, but we also don't have an answer to these two questions. How do we get phones out of the classroom? And do parents even want to? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Naomi Buck is a columnist and a feature writer whose work appears in The Globe and Mail, Corporate Nights, Toronto Life, The Walrus, many others. This story was for The Globe and Mail. Hey, Naomi. Hi there. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. The first thing I want to ask you is, do we know uh, just how many kids have cell phones in general? I think in Canada, it's estimated that about half of kids between the ages of 7 and 11 have a cell phone. And for teenagers, it's upwards of 90%. That sounds incredible to me, but I guess uh, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Right. Well, and there's the question of ownership versus just using a family phone. Mm. But I think those numbers are probably roughly accurate. And in general, in Canada, I know it probably varies wildly uh, across boards and across provinces. But what are our policies around having cell phones in the classroom? There are only two provinces that have cell phone bans on the books, and that's Ontario and Quebec. Quebec has just introduced the legislation as of this fall, and it has yet to be implemented. But as people who have kids in Ontario schools will know that ban is not particularly effective. I'm sure it varies school to school, but it is not what the name suggests. It's certainly not a cell phone ban. That is not what's happening on the ground. What is happening on the ground? 
I'm sure it varies between schools, but my sense is, and this is in talking to educators across multiple boards and kids, that phones are being used for all kinds of purposes, the minority of which might be educational, the majority of which have nothing to do with education. And some teachers are more strict and effective than others. But overall, I think if anyone is winning, it's the phone. How does Canada compare uh, with other countries? Again, I know in general we're, we're speaking here, but just, you know, are other countries as permissive as we are, stricter? What? Well, there are phone bans um, in effect in other countries and jurisdictions. There was a UNESCO report uh, that was published this last summer suggesting that one in four countries around the world have some kind of legislation limiting or banning the use of phones in schools. So policies vary, but there's policy and then there's practice. Hmm. And, you know, Ontario would be considered a jurisdiction that has a cell phone ban, but in practice, it doesn't have a cell phone ban. There are individual school boards and schools, even within Canada, that have taken a much more rigorous approach, uh, and countries in Europe in particular. And in those places, I think there is something approaching an actual cell phone ban. Because you mentioned it, maybe we'll just jump right to this, uh, the UNESCO report. What did it say and what does it claim about cell phone use in classrooms? Well, it's looking at technology in classrooms beyond cell phones, so technology more generally. And it's incredibly skeptical and critical of the use of technology, not across the board, but the prevalence of technology and the uncritical acceptance of technology as a good, as a benefit in classrooms. UNESCO, the, the research it has done, and it's global, in scope suggests that it is not fair or accurate to assume that technology is, by definition, a force for good in schools, and that cell phones in particular are a problem, and it's actually recommending cell phone bans across the board. In your piece, you call this generation of kids, quote, both pioneers and guinea pigs. Can you explain what you mean by that? Pioneers in the sense that they are the first generation, the majority of whom are walking around with a cell phone, which is, of course, much more than a phone. So it's a personal device that enables them to do all kinds of things and to connect with the internet and with social media. And there is no generation to date that has grown up basically attached to a computer and with the ability to use that computer to all kinds of ends. One of the things that is is already clear is the seductive powers of this technology and how many kids and teens are effectively addicted to them. And the results of that are, well, we can see some of the results of that in their youth, but the sort of long-term implications are not known because they are they are the first generation to have grown up this way. So pioneers in the sense that they are, objectively speaking, the first generation to grow up with cell phones really fully integrated in their lives. And guinea pigs in the sense that we don't really know um, what this is, although there is already research to suggest how it is changing their brains and the way they interact and relate to each other and relate to the world. But the long term, how this will play out in the long term is is really unknown. 
You mentioned there are some things we are kind of getting an understanding of, though, now. So just in general, you know, what are the problems with kids having access to them in classrooms? And are there benefits as well? I mean, potentially there are benefits. And I think in the hands of a very gifted and respected teacher, a cell phone can probably be of benefit. I feel like respected was key there. Yeah, I think it is key because there's a lot of disrespect and there's a lot of there's a sense that adults are not in control of the use of phones in schools because in a lot of cases, they are not in control of the use of phones in schools. And of course, teachers, as kids pick up on that and see that and are able to use that to what they think is their own advantage. So I think respect is key. And to answer your original question, you know, I think ultimately there, there may be a place for a cell phone in schools, but at this point, I actually see no advantage to them. And the negative impacts are so outweigh any benefit that I think getting rid of them for now is the way to go. What are the negative impacts that we do know about? So we know about their ability to distract. That's probably number one. And this has been demonstrated, I mean, observationally. Most of us adults who own cell phones will know just how incredibly compelling they are. But it's also been demonstrated in lab settings where even the presence of a phone that is turned off or silenced impairs a students' ability to focus. Just having a phone on a desk, even if that phone is turned off, changes the outcome of tests. So the distractedness is completely detrimental to learning. But then there's the impact phones have on the way kids interact with each other. And I think the majority of those impacts are negative. And then there is, beyond that, I, I see a correlation between rising violence in schools and phones. Say a little more about that. What do you see there? Well, there, there has been a pretty alarming increase in levels of violence in schools, particularly since the pandemic. So there may be a pandemic impact there on kids who've been isolated at home, spending a lot of time on screens, disconnected from their peers, not relating to people in a real way. That may be part of that story, but the increase in violence in schools predates the pandemic. And I have seen, I'm aware anecdotally, but also in the literature and in the media of incidents, and this is not just specific to Ontario or Canada, of violence that are getting filmed by fellow students, uploaded to social media, and then, you know, feeding into a social media ecosystem that is just beyond the control of pretty much everybody. I have a question about how we got here, and that is, why didn't we just ban these phones from classrooms in the first place? Now, listen, I'm old. I went to school in the 80s and 90s. Um, but I vividly remember not being able to bring, like, anything into a classroom except for books and paper and stuff like that. Like, how come we didn't do that here? Well, I think what's happening or what has happened is it's multiple factors playing into each other. But one of those factors that seems very relevant is a leveling out of authority structures where kids have a lot more authority and agency than they did in our time in schools. And 
teachers' ability to enforce rules is very much compromised by the general culture of the school, which is often very much in the hands of parents. Right. And administrators, by which I mean principals and vice principals, are kind of caught between the voices of very outspoken and influential parents and, I think, a management system that doesn't really know how to handle those parents and those voices. So it is complicated, and it goes well beyond the school. It gets into the culture of parenting and our way of raising kids. But I think kids have way more agency than they have in any previous generation to decide when and how and if they do things. And talking to teachers, I know (laughs) what goes on in classrooms. And a lot of teachers are not willing to physically remove a phone for fear of the consequences. And those consequences could be, and this is quite common, the student will claim after the phone has been confiscated that when the phone was confiscated, it was working perfectly. And when it was returned to them, it was broken and the school should replace the phone. Can you give me some examples of what happens when teachers try to enforce phone bans or take away phones? You you tell a few of them in your story. Well, and these are stories, this is anecdotal stuff, but it's coming through teachers and through through students. You know, kids will have full-on meltdowns. They will call their parents at home to complain. They will claim that their rights are being violated. That's often the language that's used. It's about their right. These are obviously uh, not the norm, but... In these situations, the exception comes to define the norm because other students see kids getting away with this. So I did talk for this story to uh, an educator in England who has set up a school in London where she has, it's a free school, so it's state funded, but it has greater authority over policy within it. And she has implemented a complete cell phone ban. And she makes that clear to any student entering the school the terms on which they are allowed to enter the school. And if they opt to bring a smartphone with them and that phone is seen or heard on school property, it's confiscated for up to three months. Hmm. And she strongly recommends that they don't bring the phone in the first place. The school makes available what they call brick phones, which are phones that just text and call. You know, she's able to persuade some families to actually remove the cell phones entirely before entering the school because they can see what lies ahead. And and those kids will often go on hunger strike. Wow. You know, they will be desperate initially because they are, I think, you know, clinically, they're addicted to the phones. So they will reach for extreme measures. And that's dramatic. And it's unsettling for parents. And it's hard to persevere. But in her experience, when they come out the other side, they are, as a rule, pretty happy that they did. So removing phones is not is not an easy thing to do, particularly when you're dealing with addiction. And in, in the cases of, I think, a lot of teens, that is what it is. We've talked a lot about kids and teachers here and their roles in it. Let's talk about parents. First of all, do the parents want their kids to have phones in class? And how much of this responsibility falls on them for permitting this kind of stuff? I think that the pandemic kind of did a number on families that were trying to manage screen usage in that, and I'm, you know, referring to my own family where things were pretty well in hand until the pandemic when 
kids went online and screens were no longer optional. They were mandatory. If your kids were going to attend school, they needed to be on a screen. So we went from a household of very few screens to screens kind of everywhere and on all the time. And that really did open the floodgates on screens in my particular family. And my kids are now teens. So they're prime age for being sucked into the social media universe. In the case of phones and schools, the parents who are often the most outspoken are the ones who feel the most strongly that their kids should have phones. I think those parents represent a pretty small minority, but they are the most vocal. And I think the more moderate and chastened position is actually the majority position. And I think those parents have to articulate their concerns and support schools in their determination to get phones out of the classroom. Because I think the the voice of parents who want a constant connection with their kids, for whatever reasons, are the ones that are being heard. And I don't think they represent the best interests of children. And I also don't think they represent the majority parent position. How do we get there? You described the school in London. Those aren't going to pop up overnight here in Canada. Are there boards or schools here in our country moving in this direction? And what might it take to get them there? There are. There, I mentioned one in the article. It's uh, on the Sunshine Coast in BC. And that was the initiative of a, of a TA at the school who suggested they just try getting rid of cell phones. And initially, there was a lot of opposition, as you'd expect, and outcry. And six months later, that school is functioning better than it has in years. And so adjacent schools in that district are looking at what they're doing, and they are writing up a sort of a policy that could be reproduced elsewhere. Actually, subsequent to the article, a a woman has written to me from Sudbury, a parent, and she is lobbying her school board in Sudbury to institute a proper ban by next year. And she's surveyed parents and much as I was just saying, has found that the vast majority, something like 80% of parents are in favor of a complete ban, contrary to what schools often claim, which is that parents are resistant. So either the tide is turning and parents are becoming more concerned about their kids' use, or there's just been a skewed understanding of what parents really do want. I think it's also important to realize that as any parent and who's honest with themselves know, a phone is a very convenient babysitter. Yeah. Kids are absorbed in them. They're quiet. They're passive. They are not disruptive when they have a phone because they're fully engaged with it. And so that applies in a classroom too. It's a convenient crutch for a certain kind of student who otherwise might be disrupting a classroom. So there are uses or misuses of phones in classroom for teachers who are overwhelmed or who are looking for an incentive and can't find it in an educational context. And so I think, you know, there is probably a reluctance. It's not an easy thing. I'm not going to claim that it's going to be easy to get phones out of the classroom because they've become such a huge part of kids' lives and they have worked their way into the classroom structure. But I think. I think it should be done. And where it has been done, the results seem to be unanimously successful. And I think those case studies of schools, school districts that are that are really just biting the bullet and are seeing good results or see whatever results they're seeing. But the only results I've read about have been positive. 
Those have to be broadcast and shared. Naomi, thank you so much for this. You're welcome. Naomi Buck, writing in the Globe and Mail. That was the big story. If you'd like to talk to us, we would love to hear from you. We've gotten a ton of listener suggestions for episodes, even comments on previous episodes. We don't have time to respond to them all. Rest assured, both Joe and I read them, every single one. If you want to join the fun, you can hit us up on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. You can write to us. The email is hello at TheBigStoryPodcast.ca, or you can even... Take out your smartphone, but not in class, and call 416-935-5935. Leave us a voicemail. You can get this podcast everywhere you get podcasts. If it lets you rate, review, like, follow, subscribe, whatever it wants you to do, if it's positive, do it. We'll appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. Tomorrow. 